With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and today I have with me Master G from University of Personal Master G, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, taking time out your busy schedule. And we want to give you guys a heads up. You may hear a couple of little people in the background, but this is what it's about. It's when the community stands in the gap. So welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us on. Definitely. So I want you to take the time, first and foremost, to introduce yourself, let people know who you are. Um Give us a little bit of your background history, and then we're going to go in, move for, move forward with it. Well, again, my name is Master Goodwin, Tracy Alonzo Goodwin. I'm born and raised here in Columbia, South Carolina, went to uh, C.A. Johnson High School. Boo. Okay, me. great news. And did three years at USC. Um, there's a story behind that as well. I've been doing martial arts since I was nine years old. That's over 40 years. I've had this school for the past 31 years. I took this school over from my father, Grandmaster Morley, uh, who had this school back in the uh, late late 50s, early 60s here. At, and his first school was at Oakland High School. Um, I was born and raised here, grew up in Willow Run's apartment, so I am a product of District 1. Okay, okay. Everything was good except the C.A. Johnson, but we're going to move on from that. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk to you today about, I know you've been in the martial arts for a while, um, but when I stopped by one day, what caught my eye was that you had um, a youth in here. He's three years old, and um, just the story of how he got here, you know, um, how you taking it upon yourself to stand in the gap, how it made a difference. So if you could, if you could kind of share, expound on that a little bit. Okay. The, um, I have multiple businesses, but the main being the personal training in the martial arts school. All of my other businesses came about because the community had a need for something. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, an, there wasn't anything outside of me that was fulfilling that need. So this little boy... Uh, was in my summer camp. We have a summer camp program. So this little Aiden was in the summer camp, and his his uh, aunt who was taking care of him. Okay. So she's filling in the gap, according to her family, mm-hmm. um, because his situation, um, 
he doesn't have his biological parents to care for him. So she informed me that he was put out about three to four daycares <laughs> last year and asked me, what are we going to do with him this year? I said, I don't know what you're going to do with him this year. I don't have a daycare <laughs> service, so I'll try to help you find one. Right. Um, so I, I mentioned where my, my little daughter goes, Naomi, but it was too expensive for her, so I in turn started a pre-K class. Here at the dojo, so Aiden is with us all day long in our little pre-K program, um, and I guess it's good footwork for myself and my son to run his pre-K program because we've actually just partnered up with the Hulu Academy, and they have a K-12 program. We're going to do that online with them, so this gets up some decent practice. Everything happens for a reason. And I can say from what I saw, I mean, by him being the three-year-old, I mean, knowing his shapes, uh, you know, numbers, his colors, um, just the things that I, I witnessed myself, I mean, he's actually ahead of the game for a K-3 program. Um, and I just think it's really an awesome job that you're doing. I mean, and we know we always talk about, you know, the village. You know, we know the village concept. But somewhere along the line, <laughs> the village seems to have become broken. There's some that still operate like that. I really don't know where the transition happens to where, you know, don't talk to my child. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just don't know where that actually came into play. But it has been a hindrance because with you seeing the need, you know, she's come to you. And, and the good thing about it is that she felt like you had some type of a solution for it or that you would be able to help. And so... I, I guess you know what let's 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 stop here and ask the question of how important is standing in the gap well, standing in the gap is extremely important because, like you said, somewhere along the lines, I think two generations have missed that village or it has dissipated the village concept, mm-hmm. and the average parent these days don't want anybody to to care for their kid outside of themselves. They're very cautious, which is a good thing, right. because there's a lot of bad things that happen to kids in daycares, police force, and all these other things going on in our culture and our nation. Um, but we as a people are going to have to come together and recreate that old school village so that we can care for our kids, because I don't know any one parent that can be with their children all day long, every day of the week. So if we can't create a community amongst ourselves to create that old school village concept, then we're going to be lost and our kids are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. But there's a multitude of consequences when we can't take care of our own people. That's a fact. So I think that other organizations like myself and the mm-hmm. things that I do have to come together and unite under one umbrella to care for our people as well as our kids because not only just the gap of our kids is what we need to fill, there's another gap there that a lot of people don't speak about where our children are having children. Mm-hmm. So that's another gap that we need to fulfill and get those young people mindset to have kids, raise kids, and be a better parent for their kids that they have. So there's a bunch of things that those young parents are missing. Absolutely. And we got to go back and give to them as well. So... It, it's a huge situation and problem. 
It is. And we definitely have to jump on it and try to remedy it. Um, what you said was that, you know, we have to come together. But one of the things that I think that we're going to have to do better at is communicating and forming some type of a manual, a booklet, maybe some type of online resource guide that when people have these problems that, hey, now we can see that we can go here or we can go there. Because one, one thing that I see is a major problem with our community is that the information isn't getting out there. It's not. Um, I, have a, I have a company called MG's Enterprise. And once again, the only reason that company is in existence is because everybody used to call me and say, MG, do you know this? MG, you have this. MG, they called me for everything under the moon. So I said, okay, well, let me curate a company called MG's Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And I've stockpiled a database of other entities and companies that can get almost anything done that our community needs. And I'm talking about all the way down from child care to building a building. So I've also taken that a step further to make sure that community-based programs, community-based programs that I do, as well as other nonprofit organizations, I'm creating a database with them. Okay. Okay. And um, what I'm doing with that database is compiling it to either go after federal funding. Um, so if I have a program that is tailored towards children doing fitness or discipline martial arts, and I have another sister that has a program tailored to young ladies and females and mm-hmm. young mothers, then if that funding requires me to have boys and girls involved, then we're going to team up. That's right. And the same concept is even if we're not going after funding, if I have a young lady that is in need of how to become a better parent and she's only 24, 25 years old, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to steer her towards that other nonprofit. So I'm creating a database of exactly what you're talking about so we can better do so and and fill in that gap for our, our community. Um, and once I compile that, or even as I compile, I put it on my social media. I'll have them put it on their social media. So once again, we got to find a way to get this information at the fingertips of our community. Like you said, the information has mm-hmm. to be easier for our community people in need to reach out and get that information. Right. That's the biggest thing. So then currently now, do you have some type of a website? I know you're saying your social media page, but... Everybody doesn't do social media, and so we have to have some type of way to where we can either direct people to a website or something. Is that something that's coming soon, or is that already in place? That's something that's coming soon, and then (laughs) speaking to other people, um, our elderly people, Mm -hmm. they're not doing either one of them, and they still need some assistance. So we still got to figure out how to get this information to our elderly people. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try and utilize every aspect of informing our community that we have. I I think there's no one one solution for it. It's not. And when you said that, what what came to mind to me was some type of a flyer. Or if we can figure out a way – to where we can enter some information in like a little newspaper. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I know there is like a community newspaper that I'm sure that if we probably talk with him, that um, the guy that owns it, he would probably be willing to put something there. Because one thing about it, our elderly people do read. Who are you talking they about? They were reading. The yep, that's he, it. I, I taught his grandson. He's been there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Exactly. So it sounds like you've had different generations that have come through. So let's talk a little bit about your, I know you, Taekwondo. Let's let's talk a little bit about that in the class settings that you have for kids. Um, because I'm sure a lot of times people are looking for places, affordable places that they can bring their children for Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Well, the Taekwondo program is, we, we're based on the children. Our biggest uh, clientele base are the ch- children from age 3 to 15, actually. Um, we separate our classes via belt levels instead of age levels. So we have a beginner class and then an intermediate advanced class, and that's been working out better because we started off separating by age, which I think the belt level separation is better than the age um, because the younger kids need somebody to look up to, and if there's only their age group in that class, then they don't have somebody that they can call a leader outside of the instructors. And that's what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create a community within the martial art class. And I tell my parents, um, if you have a, like, some of my, a lot of my kids are single female parents, and they may have one or two kids. A lot of them have one kid. So, and once again, there's nobody that they actually trust to, to hang out with their little boy or their little girl. So I tell those guys then, these friends in your martial art class are going to be some of the best friends you'll ever have mm-hmm. because they're going to share the same core value beliefs because that's what we're training. Right. So a lot of our kids get together and go to Frankie's Fun Park as a, as a class mm-hmm. so that their kids can have some interaction with other kids outside of school and outside of Taekwondo. Um, the program centers around self-discipline, discipline first. The kicking and the punching is, is an easy part of our curriculum to teach. We can, we can teach a chimpanzee how to do that. But we pride ourselves on giving our basic kids as well as our adults that, that extensive self-discipline and discipline so they can make the proper decisions in life. Um, and everything that we teach on the technical floor can and should be transferred into everyday living. And that was the other thing that I was going to say. It's like you're teaching life skills as well. Um, I, I saw that with, with, the, with the little one here. Um, the life skills. As soon as he woke up from his nap, he immediately grabbed his little bag and saw stuffing his blanket into the bag, and I thought it was the cutest thing, you know? So it's like he's learning, hey, no, I got to immediately clean up behind myself, um, and he knew exactly where to go to go put it at, to put it up, and you tell him to get his get his mat, whatever, he goes and he gets it. So um, life skills are definitely very important. Yes, ma'am. That's very important. One thing we say about our school is we're a character-building school that just so happens to teach martial arts. That's good. That's really good. I like that. I like that. Yes. So for your summer program, so now, well, let's see, you have an after-school program as well? We have an after-school program. Aiden's brother is in the after-school program along with Aiden and along with my Naomi. Um, so in that after-school program, we pick the kids up from school. The first thing they do is get a snack when they get here, and then they have to get finished their homework. If they don't have homework, then they're going to have our homework. So we make them do whatever grade-level book they work in. They have a workbook here to do extra work in and get tutored wherever they need tutoring. Um, if they can get finished their homework in time, then they'll have to play a game of chess because in the summertime mm. we teach them how to play chess. So they don't know. Cool. If they wasn't in the summer program, they'll be learning how to play chess in the aftercare program. And then we also do tackling every day for this uh, aftercare program as well. That's really good, really good. So now um, there's a, another uh, little 
adolescent that really touched my heart, pricked my heart. I met him um, in the center of the way, and um, he spoke very highly of Master G, Master G. Um, but the conversation that I had with um, someone else that works in the plaza was that the community around this child is the best thing that the child has. The home life is what's disruptive. You know, and sometimes, you know, from the outside, people will look and they will see a situation and and talk about the situation but won't provide a solution. And that's one of the missing things from the village. You know what I'm saying? The village is here to fill it in, but in the conversation that I had with the young man and you and the listeners, he's he's eight years old. Um, but when you talk with him, he seems like he's about 20 years old. Um, and it's from the level of responsibility that he has on him. Um, his conversations, man, just really blew my mind to be eight years old because you could just see the stress that was on him. And so, this is why, again, it is so important that we as a community have to go back to some of these older ways to pull together to help these children because we always talk about the children are our future. And if we really believe that the children are our future, we're going to have to find a way to bridge that gap because even you see where a lot of kids, you know, you find older people now that are actually afraid of some of the kids, you know? And so... I know for me, when I see children walking down my street, you're not going to walk down my street and I don't speak to you. You may not speak first, but I'm going to speak. I'm going to engage you. I want to know who you are. You know, hey, okay, well, tell me a little about yourself. What school you go to? You play any sports? Well, hey, if you got a game coming up, let me know. Because the one thing that I understand is when you take the time to stop and to talk to these children, it creates, it, it, it alleviates that whole standoffish attitude and they're looking at the adult differently. You know, it's like when, and, and I know that there are some instances to where, yeah, with a lot of things that's going on, I mean, we can look and be like, boy, these generation of kids are just crazy. <laughs> but I think a lot of that happened because the village fell back. That's right. And, you know, the one thing that I know that if you take the time and you talk to these kids, you could be somewhere and some trouble may break out. But guess what? If one of those children that you have been kind to, that you have taken the time out to talk to, speak to, they're going to say, hey, no, that was off limits. You know what I'm saying? And so we as the adults have to figure out a way to help. I was talking with, um, with a friend of mine earlier today, and one of the things that, you know, they were talking about is how, you know, they, you know, cook cook a lot of food, but wow, how can I utilize this to bless somebody else? And I was like, you know, a lot of times you may have a single parent out there that has worked all day, didn't have time to cook, or may not even really have the funds, but they're not going to tell you that. And so sometimes we can just sense the need and see it and say, hey, I prepared all this food. I wanted to share some with you today. You never know how that changes somebody's whole day. You know, mm-hmm. and so we just have to, as the community, figure out how can we begin to be a blessing to somebody else because you're not blessed just for you to hold it all to yourself. That's right. You, you're blessed to be a blessing. So I want to talk a little about the young man. I went on off onto something else, but mm-hmm. uh, the little eight-year-old, mm-hmm. um, you know, with 
him now being in, in your program, just how that has really Im- impacted his life because he's had a lot to happen to him in his little eight years. The child in question is a foster kid, mm-hmm. which is like my fifth foster kid ever working with. Uh, we currently have two foster kids here now, and that gap right there just mm-hmm. in the foster community is a huge gap that we have to fill. But this particular one kid we're speaking about, since he's been here with us in the martial arts and the community that we've created just in this plaza alone have surrounded this young man, and we're making a huge impact on his life and his life decisions on a day-to-day basis. Um, we have a long way to go because I've been deep into this community of dealing with our kids and helping our kids in a long time. And, you know, if I have a whole bunch of campfire stories that would make your mm-hmm. soul cringe about some of these kids. And like you said, if somebody just had an abundance of food one particular day and they just went to a neighborhood and just knocked on the doors and just don't ask any questions, just say exactly what you say where you have an abundance of food, so here, you, you can take it. You'd be surprised at how many people... If they don't have to ask answer questions, they right. take it and be very pleased because a lot of these tables at dinner time are completely empty because they, mm-hmm. they can't afford food. Some of our younger parents and some of our grandparents who are taking care of kids because the parents are completely out of the picture, they're living in third world countries. They live in conditions of like third world countries right here in, in our own community. And that shouldn't be. And it should not be. You know, that that's something we have to take up with these ridiculous politicians and whoever else control all that. But um, that's for another show, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, the little boy in question, he's doing great. He's making better decisions. His, his grades are improving. Um, in the martial art class, if I see a need, I, I, I tell my kids in the martial art classes, I demand A's and B's. I'll accept C's on a report card once in a school year. So if I'm going to punish you when you make bad grades, then if you're making bad grades, it makes no sense for me to punish you if I don't set something in place to make Absolutely. your grades better. Absolutely. So that's the other piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. that we as a community, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, mm-hmm. and just adults in general, mm-hmm. we don't want to put that kind of work in. Mm-hmm. So it takes effort to say, you know, these kids are I, I Every time, like you said, a lot of adults say these kids are our future. Every time I hear an adult say that, I ask the adult this one question. Well, how great do you want your future to be? Because if you're saying these kids are our future, and then the next thing is you're saying this generation is horrible, then what are you doing to improve your future? Absolutely. Because you're going to have to stand in the gap someplace to get reach these kids that you say are going to be our future. Because some of the kids, I don't want my future to be in their hands. So I'm going to make sure I can do everything possible to get to those kids and change their mindset. Right. So when I am older, then they can reach out to me as a community because I expect these same kids I'm having now to help me if I need to as an elder person. Right. So that's what it means to talk about these kids are our future. You better do something about it right now in your present time. Um, but we're going to continue to work with Luke. We actually uh, are attempting we're attempting. We've already reached out to DSS mm-hmm. to see if they can afford funding 
to put us as a vendor to all foster kids in the program. Oh, wow. And if we can get that done, and that's, that's another thing we're going to go after other funding for, because one thing about me, and I partnered up with um, Ujima, which is a, a, a community-based program between myself, Brother Jimmy, and Rico. We created a community-based program where we're going to train our kids on our culture, mm-hmm. self-discipline, self-defense, and media propaganda. Those are the points, bullet points that our organization is going to gear towards training these kids as well as the young parents because all those things I think is going to be needed to make a complete person. And once we do that, then our future can look brighter according to these children becoming adults and taking over this, this, these roles that we have, hopefully have fulfilled to the best of our ability. Right. Um, but, yeah, this, these foster kids is a huge, huge issue, and, mm-hmm. and the things that they go through, like this kid in question, like you said it yourself, this kid has made decisions adults should have to deal with, and most adults can't handle the mm-hmm. stuff that he's been through. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. luckily for us, he's receiving our assistance mm-hmm. well, and he's becoming a better person. Yeah, it hurts your heart. I know the other day he, he's, um, I was told he came in from school, and I did get a chance to hear the the full the full story of it. But apparently, somebody slapped him at school, and I think that his response was what it it wasn't what the normal response would have been. You know, mm-hmm. to 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 hit back at that point in time. So, um, and and I, I would accredit that to the discipline that he's being taught through taekwondo. Mm-hmm. You know, one one of the things I, I post to my children, as well as my young teenagers, if there's something that you're about to say, or if there's something that you're about to respond to and and, and do as an action, I I plead with them to ask this question. What will Master Goodwin do to me if I do this or say this? And whatever your answer is after that, you have to be delivered to consequences. So the ones who ask themselves that question before responding, they make a better decision. <laughs> so they normally don't hit back after the first time to go inform somebody because I train my kids on how to make a paper trail, whether it's in school and outside of school. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then I tell them, if your parents don't follow the paper trail, then come see Master Goodwin. I'll go to the school, the school board, and do whatever I need to do to follow the paper trail up. So I'm willing to stand there as your father or whatever the case may be. Um, matter of fact, the sister that, that's over the um, the board in um, the disciplinary um, school thing in District 2, every time I come in there, she says, okay, this is one of your kids which is beautiful for me or my kid that has gotten in some trouble because now they get the benefit of the doubt. Right. When, when the school, this particular lady in question, when she sees that this particular problem child has assistance outside of home mm-hmm. coming from Master Goodwin, then they say she tell them every time, okay, now this, this is your last chance because I'm sure Master Goodwin is going to have an issue. So, you know, that's the other extent that I, I afford myself to do. I'll stand in wherever I need to stand in for mm-hmm. my kids. But that says a lot because they also know that the problem is going to be dealt with. It's yes, just ma'am. not going to be one of those where he just blah, 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 and nothing's going to happen. No, it's going to be dealt with. So that in itself says a lot. It speaks volumes for you, you know. Um, 
I want to ask you this this one last question, and I know you have things you got to get back to for the day, but where do you see the future for our children 10 years from now? And that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. There's a lot of answers to that question. There's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. So I'm going to start with the adults who make the statement, you know, these kids are our future. So... I'm challenging all of these community-based organizations, nonprofit and for-profit organizations that I've been meeting with and have not met with yet. I would pray and wish that you could set up a meeting with me and, and anybody else on board that's willing to collaborate to make a better future, dealing with the situations in present with our kids and the community that our kids live in. So... First and foremost, let's get together as adults to do the adult thing and give ourselves, give up, up, give up of ourselves, so that our future can be better. Because we're going to make better people from the present children we have now. The next thing is these communities that these children are living in. We got to go inside the communities and make changes there as well. So, for instance. Um, the Riverside Apartments where the young man got shot at, Ujima and a couple of other organizations initially went out there one day and there was about four other organizations that didn't go with us, that didn't plan to arrive out there with us. It was out there that day. And a lot of these organizations, I hate to say, they were out there just for face. Mm. So once we had a little meeting after walking around talking to the people and hugging some of the people, um, for instance, one of the mothers of the child that was killed out there, she came onto the scene with her husband, and one of the organizations, I'm not going to mention, was talking to the sister and was asked, going, going back with some Q&A is Q&A, and I'm looking at the sister and I'm looking at the husband, and they were just not into it. And I'm looking at the person asking these questions, like, why in the world are you asking these questions? So I just physically moved the person out of the way and went up and hugged the sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, this is what you need. Mm -hmm. And then the husband looked there, and I grabbed him. I pulled him into the hug of the circle, and, and both, all everybody just started crying. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, she was ready to talk, have conversation, not just be talked at or talked to. Right. So we got to go inside these communities and really make a difference. So... Um, for instance, after that, the mother went by her business, and some of us stayed outside and, and tried to plan something. Right. So we had planned to come back to the community on a regular basis. Um, that hasn't happened. Myself and Brother Jimmy from Ojima, we've been out there. Mm -hmm. um, the the, the uh, Islam brother has been out there. Um, so we got together, and we pulled our funds together, and about 10 other brothers went to a sports academy, got a nice discount because we knew somebody to work there, mm -hmm. and we bought two basketball goals, two basketballs, went out there with a whole bunch of Gatorade and snacks one day and put up the goals. And we tried to commission the young men out there, the adults, police your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I was going to go back out there and train them on how to police their neighborhood because my father has one of the largest security companies in Atlanta. So that's another thing that we do. So I was going to train them on how to police their neighborhood, and I we wanted them to police these basketballs we spent our hard money on. Right. By 
three weeks, basketball completely destroyed, torn up. And I know if little kids didn't do it, grown folk did it. So that's what we're working with. So we got to go into the communities, make community better by making the adults better. Mm-hmm. That in turn, they can assist us on helping with the youth. Right. Okay. And we got to make sure that these people in these neighborhoods want their neighborhood to be what they want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about even going down to if the persons who own these private entities that own these apartment complexes, like I grew up with ones, if they don't cut the grass like they're supposed to, then we as a community need to get together and make them cut that grass. That's right. Put out some flowers and things of that nature. If they That's don't right. want to do it, the people in the community need to put up flowers and stuff to beautify their own neighborhood. So that's the extent that we're actually going to have to go to. It's not a band-aid that you can put on because it's like a cancer. It's special from the kids to the adults to the community. So we got to deal with all that. Yeah. yeah. And it's time to strap up the boots and jump in because um, it's, it's been too long, just as we talked about, when that whole village concept changed. Mm-hmm. And so now we got to try to rework this thing back in, you know. Um, and I think one of the things, and I will definitely um, – You've spoken with um, Gwendolyn Singletary um, from the Wiley Kennedy Foundation, and one of the things that she was talking about is this project that that's coming over here. Um, 288 apartments. We, the community has to now begin strategizing, pulling together now as to when they come, how we're going to be able to help and to assist, what type of programs are going to go into play so that it can be they can be welcomed into the community. Our and community. Our community and seeing how. We run stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, we Absolutely. definitely got to be there before they get there. Yes. So we, we, we actually need to start having some conversations about that now and start putting this thing into place mm-hmm. so that we're not running behind, That's but right. we're ahead of the game. So, Master Goodwin, I thank you. Um, and anytime you have any information that you want to put out for the community, let me know. I can always put it on the social media site for Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. And I'm sure my producer as well will make sure that, you know, things will get announced. Um, because we we have to we have to take back our community. Yes, ma'am. We have to take back our communities. Um, Just like that. Yeah, we do. And so, um, again, I thank you so much. Um, Thank you for being a voice in the community. Thank you for being a positive role model in the community because the kids do look up to you. And so definitely appreciate that. Thank you, ma'am. Even though your sternness sometimes seems like it come across. Let me just tell y'all, he's a personal trainer also, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But... Hey, join us next week. This is Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. This month we're going to be talking with different people in the community that have programs where they saw a need and they are actually standing in the gap. So, again, I'm Tyra, your host of Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, and I will see you next Tuesday. It's already done.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.